Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to another very special episode of Hello, Fellow Kids, the podcast where Josh and Mara talk about books that were written for people half their age. We're the right age. We're 12! <laughs> the age just keeps getting younger and younger every time we're on, we lie. We're on a sliding timeline. It's almost like we're not telling the truth. That can't be right. For this special episode, we read Extraordinary, a story of an ordinary princess by Cassie Anderson, whose name you may find familiar because she is the artist of Life Formed, which we touched on uh, just a couple of months ago. And she was kind enough to send us an advanced ebook. So if you hear any clicking, that's us scrolling through the ebook version. But yeah, sorry in advance. So this was actually originally a webcomic that she's now getting published as a full graphic novel. And it is inspired by, what was the name of the book that's inspired? The Ordinary Princess. Well, there you go. By MMK. By MMK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if anyone's read that, it, from what I understand, it uses the core concept and the, the kind of beats from the first, maybe like, you know, fifth of it, and then kind of deviates after that and does its own thing with it. Yeah. Because um, uh, I'd read The Ordinary Princess when I was a kid. I barely remember it, but... I feel like I would remember if all this other stuff had happened. So, right. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, it's familiar so far. Okay, it's deviating quite a bit. Yeah. So, but it's just such a fun concept. Why wouldn't you want to use it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, I, I enjoy it. The basic idea is that there are seven princesses. Each one is gifted by the fairies uh, when they're born with a different like trait, like beauty or dance or humor. And then the seventh one is gifted with being ordinary. And she's like, what the hey, man? <laughs> Um, and then it's her adventure of wanting to not be ordinary. First impressions? I had a lot of fun. I did too. Cassie's just a really, she, her use of like facial expressions and body language and everything is so great. She can capture so much more diversity than in a lot of the things that I read. Just really fun. And I mean, it only took like, maybe like an hour tops to read and take notes on. It's really quick because again, she does uh, a similar thing that we touched on life form, which is where She's okay with trusting the art to tell some more of the story, and so there are sections of no dialogue, no narration, and it's just letting the characters speak for themselves with their actions. And those are always really fun portions. They are, yeah. It was just so much fun. Yeah. Like, I just wanted something fun. Something that wasn't going to make me roll my eyes and not be miserable for a while. So yeah, I think we're just going to get into it. It's Like I said, it's short. It's uh, eight chapters... So it's going to go by really quickly. And then uh, right after that, we're actually going to have uh, an interview with Cassie herself. So keep listening past our regular endpoint, and you'll hear us chit-chat with her about her process and inspiration and all that stuff. If you have any questions for her, tweet them to us. At H- <laughs> yeah, if you, if you can tweet us in the next hour. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, chapter one. We begin in the kingdom of Florim, where the king and queen have seven daughters, each fairy blessed with a different trait, including beauty, humor, wisdom, song, and so on. But the youngest, Basil, is visited by the grumpy fairy Melvina and is blessed with being ordinary. As the girls grow up, they all receive attention befitting a princess, except for ordinary Basil. After a series of failed attempts at making her more alluring, uh, chiefly through the use of enchanted dresses at every ball, the queen finally enacts her grand plan. Hire a dragon to kidnap Basil, making her a damsel in distress and therefore sought by every man in the kingdom, and whoever rescues her will win her hand in marriage. The queen is very pleased with herself, but the beautiful Rose is horrified. 
Why didn't she get kidnapped? Yeah. I'm the pretty one. Why didn't I get taken? <laughs> I love I love that the chapter ends with there's the tw- the twist of we're hiring a dragon, but then the yeah. second twist of well, why didn't I get like like not yeah. stopping? It was that was a great way to come around. So I mean, very simple setup, but very fun. Can we talk about the king's forehead mustache? <laughs> he has a, he has a forehead mustache. What did I not notice that? Oh, his bangs. <laughs> yeah. So his bangs are underneath. They come out from under his crown, but they curl once in each direction to look like a little handlebar mustache right above his eyebrows. <laughs> and the, just the right, just the bangs get gray as he ages. I think. So he just has this gray mustache on his forehead. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> so his forehead mustache is gray, but his eyebrows are gray as well. So he's gray from the eyes up, but only until the hairline. <laughs> Poor Basil. The... Like, everybody has plant names, and she she gets Basil. Yeah, everybody else is like, well, everybody is like flowers and stuff. Yeah, and like... gardenia and rose and all that, and then there's Basil. I'm like, you guys, you're, you're kind of being mean. <laughs> You knew what, I bet she got named before she got blessed, so, like, they knew what they were getting themselves into, naming her Basil. <laughs> uh, I liked the scene where they're all, like, sitting down to dinner, and you see, like, all the pretty sisters all together, and they're just like, oh, you're late. She's like, I couldn't find my shoe, and that one's like, you should always put them in the same place, like me. And then you just see this voice below going, Basil, listen to your sister, she's wise. That's the line that, like, I laughed really hard at. <laughs> Like, of course she is. That's the one thing she does. <laughs> <laughs> and the one who's like, just because you're gifted with humor doesn't mean your jokes are funny. Right. <laughs> you're like, okay, I feel kind of bad for the funny sister. <laughs> I had subconsciously picked up on it, but it didn't really click with me until a few chapters in that it basically looks like Basil has, like, like a gray filter over her all the time. Oh. Like, she is always in drabber colors. Like, even if she... Yeah. She's always wearing, like, a green dress, but it's always a really dull green, and her skin is always kind of, like, meh, compared to everybody else's, like, radiant, bright colors. And their big anime girl eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and then she just has, like, normal-sized eyes. Yeah, she just has, like, little <laughs> little dots. And all the sisters have, like, you know, just huge oh, flowing manes Oh, big of... flowy hair, yeah. <laughs> she's ordinary, but I, I like that the ordinary was not just in her like line art design but the color scheme too really added to that without being so like oh and then she always wears grays it's just muted and that was a really smart choice i think like when they put that fancy dress on her yeah okay as a girl i can tell you from the experience of like oh that dress is really pretty that you put on you're like no <laughs> just something about you just right it's really pretty dress. on a different body <laughs> it felt super relatable <laughs> I was just like, I've had this exact experience. And doesn't the color, like, like, like the color, like, drains out a little bit from the dress once yeah, she's wearing it. Yeah. Like, it's a bright green and she puts it on and it's just this really dull green. I saw this blue. Are we going to have one of those now? Is the dress blue or green? But, well, I guess it doesn't matter. because The point still, is, it's, it's a, a bright, bright shade color, and then it's And then adult. it goes, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Dress goes Debbie Downer as soon as... <laughs> as, soon as the dress is like, I'm so excited, I'm going to be on somebody pretty. Oh, on her oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and then the dress goes into a depression and then uh oh gosh when she goes downstairs with her pretty sister and she's like um can you like wait a second because <laughs> she wants to like enter in by herself without oh my gosh yeah she yeah. like hides her behind you, the curtain uh-huh and then you hear oh, a vision <laughs> and then no one notices her <laughs> when she comes in yeah i've known girls like that <laughs> 
Did you read the four-page version of this at the very end? Like, yeah. after the acknowledgments? Okay. Yeah, that's why I was just like, hey, it's Amy. <laughs> I remember Amy. Yeah, so at the very end of the print version of this, there is her original version of kind of the opening. It was a four-page project that she did for college. And it's with watercolors and stuff. And some of the names are different and the designs are a little bit different. But it kind of goes through the first few pages of this with the the introduction of the, the blessings and stuff. And then it, it has, like, a prince coming to visit her as, like, a suitor. And then he sees Rose and just, like, immediately, like, darts off. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, so lovely. Will you marry me? I really liked that that version was included in this. And I like that you can see, like, that she used different colors of, like, uh, marker for the different characters' texts and stuff like that. and So that was a really cool little bonus addition. All right. <laughs> chapter 2 has the formal introduction of my favorite character. So, chapter 2. Turns out being a dragon's captive is really boring. <laughs> Especially when your dragon is named Frederick and very into the historic preservation of his castle. <laughs> Basil goes exploring and finds a sword in a junk room. The dragon tells her the legend of its heroic owner, and Basil wishes she could do great things like the knight did. Frederick tells her that there is beauty in her blessing of being ordinary, for although her sister's fates have been decided by their traits, Basil is free to forge her own path. Sword in hand, Basil sneaks out and sets off to make her own destiny. And then chapter three, Basil is on her way to meet with the fairy Melvina when she encounters Hudson, a young shepherd who wants to rescue the princess being held captive by the fearsome dragon. Yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Basil explains the sitch and strikes a deal with Hudson. If he helps her reach Melvina, she will tell her parents Hudson rescued her, making him a hero. They'll skip the bit about marriage. Uh, Hudson agrees and they continue on. He explains that he once trained to be a knight, but never completed that training. Before long, they stumble upon a gnome village being attacked by a fearsome badger. They <laughs> defeat the badger and the gnomes give them directions to Melvina's home. The pair set off unaware that they are being followed by a pair of magical cat fox creatures working for a mysterious entity named Mordred, who won't like this turn of events at all. Those, those are my favorite characters. The cat foxes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Flash and bang. Yeah, we're... As we find out. We're, we're not to the... Yeah, I, I love the phrasing of when they're... That's in, like, the next segment, so we'll get yeah, there in a little yeah, bit. We'll but, um, yeah. Okay, so Flash and Bang, they're, one's, like, red and one's... Or, like, like a reddish pinkish, and then one's kind of a bluish. And uh, I couldn't decide if, in my head, they used the voices of uh, the two unicorns and Charlie the Unicorn... Okay, or I'm liking that idea. You guys don't have camera on me, but my face lit up. <laughs> <laughs> or if you've ever watched Aqua Teen, uh, the Moonanites, Ignignot, and Ur. Well, what about if they were voiced by uh, Wanda, Wanda and Cosmo? From <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that idea. <laughs> or just us. We can be fashion <laughs> We're just defending Holly Black from Dabo should have more than <laughs> three star rating. Goodreads, what's the matter with you guys? Uh, yeah, so they were pretty great. But Frederick is my favorite because when it... So at the end of chapter one, he like swoops in and takes her away like a dragon would. And then like the very next time you see him in chapter two, he's holding a paint roller. He's refinishing the walls inside his castle because it was a like a historical landmark and he's really into like the renovation and stuff. Yes. And he, I think, I don't remember if they say it in this chapter or one of the other ones, but they talk about how... He's not a scary dragon. He goes to other people's places and will help them with like, Reno. like, yeah, <laughs> like, like extreme makeover dragon edition. Like, I was thinking he's one of the property brothers. <laughs> <laughs> this is our dragon brother. 
<laughs> consult him with color all so, the time. <laughs> so I really like him. He's great. I like him too. And then uh, we have Hudson, who is a like a young shepherd that um the Kristoff of the piece. Right. <laughs> <laughs> have you watched or read Hilda? Mm-mm. It's a cartoon series on oh, Netflix. I think I've heard of it, but and I it's haven't. it's based on like a graphic novel series and. There were a lot of things about this that reminded me of Hilda in a very positive way where, uh, so like the cartoon is okay with being a lot like slower paced than a regular like whiz bow bang crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit slower and it has some similar character designs and there's, uh, one of the characters in Hilda reminds me of Hudson because he like, he's like the sidekick and wants to help, but he's also kind of freaked out by it all. But he's like, he's like, I'm going to (laughs) try, um, I gotta do this. And the uh, the Flash and Bang have a similar design to Hilda's. She has like a fox that has little antlers um, and his name is Twig and they have a very similar design. And so I was just reminded of how good Hilda is. So if anybody hasn't read or watched Hilda, you should check it out. It's delightful. This was all reminding me of the Paper Bag Princess. I, I don't know that one. Oh God, it's such a cute... Yeah, it, there's a dragon and the princess and the princess gets kidnapped by the dragon and, like, the prince is a totally useless little creep, and so she basically saves herself and saves the... Oh, wait, no, the dragon takes the prince away, I think, and then she's like, I'll save you. But, like, he burned up her dress, so she's just wearing, a, like, a paper bag. She's all like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and the prince is totally not grateful at the end. It's just all like, you dress like in a paper bag. And she's just like, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> like, you suck so hard. And they made a cartoon of it, and we had it on a VHS tape that my parents... Recorded right before Ernest Scared Stupid came on the tape. So it's like, here we princess, and then Ernest Scared Stupid. So. Your, your own custom double feature. Tapes used to hold like hours and hours and hours of like stuff. So I would have tapes that were just full of like random movies. <laughs> it would be like all afternoon. For, I didn't just sit in front of the TV forever. Josh and I grew up in Washington State where... It used to rain much more when we were younger. <laughs> so when on rainy days, all right, I got a VHS tape full right. of movies. And that's how I'm going to spend my time because we didn't have internet yet. Yep. Anyway, so back to this. And I also, like the gnomes, I'm like, David the gnome! I got so excited. Oh yeah, the gnomes are also <laughs> very similar to how elves are presented in Hilda. But I'm not, I don't want to make these like, like sound like one's ripping off the other. So no, I'm just totally noticing not. parallels. No. So. Uh-uh. Oh, and the badger shows up, and I thought immediately, honey badger, don't give a fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the honey badger, that was, the badger was really funny, and they're they're just, like, trying to wrangle it, and he's just like, hide the children to the badger bunker. <laughs> Scatter to the winds. <laughs> and I love, okay, so it is kind of silly, because you see this badger, and it's literally drooling. It's just standing there drooling in the middle of this thing, where they're all like, ah! Like running around and i love that uh this just shows how nice that uh i always want to say basil that basil and and hudson are because they don't like go like oh my god okay let's save them i guess right because it's so silly right they're all like no their fear is real yeah we're gonna help them yeah it's like so there's like such nice people by like approaching it that way and taking it seriously right because they recognize that a badger is a legit threat to these people right. so they're gonna tackle it as if it's they live we and live in mushrooms yeah <laughs> the badger totally do some damage here but i just i just love that they acknowledge it that way and they're not like yeah like laughing like i was <laughs> but i might not have laughed if i'd been there for a yeah while. just be like oh jeez yeah. you're really scared yeah <laughs> and i like that they don't kill the badger yeah 
they just kind of, don't they just kind of like... He kind of hooks it. Yeah. <laughs> and she holds like the sword on it. And then they just kind of toss it <laughs> They just toss it into the bushes. And go away. <laughs> Yay, high fives. <laughs> if you can just scroll down to when Flash and Bang are like watching from that, because aren't they like, the badger wasn't enough. And like, like they had set the badger <laughs> loose and they thought that that was going to be like the thing that would... <laughs> yeah, they're like, she defeated him, worthless badger. <laughs> well, she did have some help. It's time for a more extreme plan. Ready? Ready. I do love, I love the fact that they're like, plan A is badger. Badger. (laughs) Okay, we're We're going to step this up. (laughs) They think that they're starting with like the big guns or something. They're like, badger will be enough. That'll be, that's fine. (laughs) The badgers are pretty, like, they they can be pretty horrifying. Like, we're laughing, but like, honey badger don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I've watched that video, even though it was upsetting to me because snakes frightened the crap out of me. Yeah. And, and it just kind of, if case you haven't seen the honey badger thing, which I think everyone has at this point, yeah, it pretty kind of effortlessly takes down very scary looking snakes. So, bad badger, 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 badger <laughs> mushroom, mushroom. Gnomes in mushrooms, mushrooms. <laughs> snake, snake, oh, it's a snake. Did you see the Harry Potter version of that? Potter, 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 okay. Potter, Weasley, Weasley. And it's just Ron just on the field like, hi. <laughs> Snape, Snape, oh, it's a Snape. <laughs> okay, chapter four looks like there's some business going on. There's some business going on. Before we go to there, I just remembered uh, when I put in the description for the Talisman episode, I'm starting a little section that's like discussions also featured in this, and so I wrote like roller skating, the music of Sting, <laughs> like all the other <laughs> tangents that we go on. <laughs> chapter four. Basil and Hudson are climbing a cliff to reach the enchanted forest when the cat foxes shoot lightning out of their faces and almost knock Basil off. Hudson rescues her and the creatures confront our heroes at the edge of the forest. They tell Basil that despite having the sword, she is no match for Mordred. Basil doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. And they can't follow her and Hudson into the forest, so I guess that solves that. (laughs) Chapter 5. The pair arrive at their destination. Melvina isn't one for house guests, but she'll make an exception. Basil asks for Melvina to take back her blessing or change it so she can be like her sisters. Melvina is disappointed because she believes she gave Basil freedom by blessing her to be ordinary. She can't change Basil, but she knows of a magic ring that might help her fulfill her destiny. It once belonged to a mystic, the ally of the knight whose sword Basil now carries. The only problem is the ring is resting in the same place as the dragon the knight and the mystic sacrifice themselves to put to sleep. The dragon's name? Albert Einstein. I was going to guess Mordred. (laughs) <laughs> what a twist <laughs> it is Mordred no where's Albert Einstein Basil mentions having already encountered the fox creatures who Melvina calls Flash and Bang Melvina lets our heroes st- stay for the night and in the morning they set off to find Mordred's lair Melvina warns Hudson that at the end of the journey they will both be changed and that getting what they want and what they need aren't always the same thing cue Rolling Stones <laughs> I saw her today at the yeah, reception. <laughs> I was thinking of the choir at the beginning. You can't <laughs> I liked when she was talking about anytime she's tried to like resist being or because when when Hudson's like, have you tried to be like that? Right. And she's like, oh, what did I think of that? Right. You know? <laughs> so you see all the ti- times that she has tried. And, like, when uh, Rose tried to put makeup on her, she's like, hand me the mirror, and she looks terrible. Yeah, relatable. Right. 
<laughs> that was mostly because, like, the, I think the person putting makeup on me didn't really know what they were doing. But, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think just in general, taking somebody from, like, like, if somebody doesn't wear makeup really to begin with, and then somebody's like, oh, I'm gonna do a makeover on you, it's, like, going from, like, zero to 60 way too fast, and so it's always just, like... How about we just try some mascara? Right. Mascara and... maybe a little foundation. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> some, like, natural colored lipstick. Yeah. And, like, we'll call that good. <laughs> maybe we'll work your way up maybe to... Maybe some, like, BB cream to, like... <laughs> I think the green eyeliner may have been a little bit of a... It might have been a little bit too much too soon. <laughs> uh, and then it, it said something about, like, her one of her sisters tried to teach her a dance and it looked like she was attacking something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was capoeira. <laughs> I like the name Mordred in the same way that I like the name Maleficent, where it's like kind of just like a mix of words that ends up in like a suitably intimidating term without being like too goofy. I like the big reveal of Bang and Flash showing up. Yeah, can you, like, do you have the exact dialogue? Yep. Okay. Oh, they're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just both standing there with like these like scowly, like they're not, they don't look friendly. Right. Like, these scowly faces, but they're so cute. Yeah, they have, the, like, the little button nose. And yes! The... <laughs> Those little button nose, little ears. Oh, my gosh. And their tails are super fluffy. I know. Oh, my gosh. They just need all the pets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the it's like the little bat, the, like, the tiny bat meme, where they're, like, petting, and it's like, no! No, I am the knight! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's like, um, I think these guys are... Or where the lightning came from that almost killed you. And she's like, what? They can't be cute and deadly? Foolish human! You think just because you carry the sword you'll be safe? You're wrong! Do you have the part where Melvina, like, explains their names? I love Melvina. She, yeah, she's great. She's, she, like, reminds me of my grandmother. And she's, like, chain-smoking cigars. Yes, that, cigars, yes! <laughs> like, that, that detail really makes it. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're just like, I totally get who this is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, go away. Are you the fairy Melvina? And she's like, if I say no, will you go away? Um, uh. no. <laughs> <laughs> we did meet a couple of foxes that weren't very nice. They said something about a Mordred. Ah, you probably mean those ingrates Flash and Bang. What? How do you know their names? Seriously? One goes Flash. One goes Bang. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> one goes Flash. One goes Bang. It's magic, sugar. <laughs> That's how she should sound. I think it's really great that she wasn't just the the lazy only fairy that they could find. She had a logic for what she was doing, and so there's more depth to it. Because you could easily just be like, and then she got blessed by a really lazy fairy, but it's like, she knew what she was doing. She had a plan for I it. I almost think that's what happened in the book. Like, like the fairy kind of showed up late, and like I think she had like a head cold, and she's like, um, uh, baby will be ordinary. And everyone's <laughs> like, What? <laughs> don't show up late to a royal christening and then you bring this crummy because <laughs> i think everyone else had already given like all these fantastic gifts to the one baby of, of like oh she'll be this and that and that but then the ordinary trumped everything and then before their eyes the baby went from like golden hair to like brown hair and i, I remember being a kid going like what are you what are you saying about brown hair right <laughs> <laughs> i was just like i think brown hair is pretty screw you i mean i was blonde at the time but <laughs> all right Chapter 6. The pair arrive at the ruined castle, the lair of Mordred. On their way down, Hudson admits why he never became a knight. He couldn't pass the final test of facing a dragon. Basil tells him she's got it from here, and has no problem letting him take credit for facing two dragons on this adventure. She sneaks into where Mordred lies and finds the mystic's ring. 
The pair head out, and Basil waits for the ring to take effect. Meanwhile, Flash and Bang delight over the fact that Basil took the ring, breaking Mordred's seal and releasing him. Chapter 7. Basil and Hudson return to Basil's castle and tell their story, but Frederick already told the king and queen the truth about her running away. Her parents are disappointed, and to top it off, the ring seems to have no effect. She is still just ordinary. She flees to her room, and Hudson follows to comfort her, but she lashes out at him, calling him a coward. He leaves, and she realizes her mistake too late. Hudson trudges home, but sees something above him. Mordred the dragon, dun, free at dun, last. The, the sneaking in... To, it's like it's a very hobbity sort of like sneaking through the the red dragon's lair yeah. and and sliding down the piles of treasure and <laughs> that's nothing but the lamp <laughs> yeah that too um, <laughs> that's nothing but the ring <laughs> but i love that he's like trying to explain while uh they're going down the stairs and finally he's like yeah i couldn't face the dragon he's just kind of like hiding at the very edge of the doorway he's like so i'm like going in <laughs> <laughs> So here's the thing. Um, yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's just so distracted by, like, oh, there's all this cool stuff's happening. And, like, we're here. This is so neat. And, like, this isn't really the best place for a true confessional right now. Because I was sitting there thinking, like, oh, what a bad friend. She's really not listening. And I was like, how much would you be listening if you're about to approach Dragon right. Slayer? I'm like, okay, <laughs> she isn't that bad of a friend. Until, like, later you're like, no, nah, she's a bad friend. <laughs> but, like, we all lash out when we're, well, not all of us, but lashing out when you're upset is, uh. She's a good friend, but she's really hurt. And when you're hurt, sometimes it feels better to try and put that pain on someone else. So it's like... And then they get back home, and she tries to explain. She's like, see? See? And she holds out the ring, and they're like, what is that supposed to, like... Okay, so you stop by Claire's? I'm like, oh, look, keep it zirconia. (laughs) And again with the... uh, Cassie really sells the expressions of, like, her realizing what she did to Hudson, like, right after he leaves and just kind of, like, curling up. And, yeah. Like, like, he told me a thing that he trusted me with and I threw it in his face. Yeah. And that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to sell the emotions is really important. Because yeah. Because otherwise you're just like, all right, I'm reading it, but I'm not feeling it. <laughs> so. I'm not feeling it. Cassie's good at making you feel. Yeah. I hate when parents are disappointed. It's always the, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Can you just, like, be mad? Right. Because <laughs> then I can go, like, you're a jerk. And, like, disregard everything else you've said. Even though I think her parents are part of the problem. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's like, it's like that movie Penelope. Did you ever see that? It's the movie Christina Ricci has a pig nose. That's what she was, like, cursed with at birth or something. To have, like, a pig nose. Okay. Yeah. And then the, you can only break the spell if someone accepts her and loves her for who she is and like and uh she thinks like james mcavoy could like help her with it because like she, he meets her and they like get because like her parents keep setting her up with men to try to get them to like yeah. fall in love with her and stuff and then her pig nose will go away spoilers from yeah. the movie penelope if you haven't seen it but what ends up breaking the spell is that she accepts herself she's all like i don't think i'm that bad i think i'm a, you know i like me and, that, and then all of a sudden poof like the pig right. nose is gone and her parents are like oh my god we had that power all along and we couldn't even do that for you and they're like upset about it and yeah so i, I like things where you kind of save yourself or, yeah yeah like the cheetah girls this is like the second time cheetah girls has come <laughs> up doing this podcast um i don't care for this <laughs> <laughs> I bet in real life James McAvoy would have accepted her. He seems like a, a decent sort of fellow. Yeah. Oh, uh, he had to. He's like, oh, it has to be someone of her social class or something. Or that was part of it. And he was like a poor dude. Ah. So he's all like, ah, it's not going to be me because I'm a poor dude who snuck in here. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, he, he liked her. 
I like that. Really, it was really cute. I like the, I accept myself. And I just imagine, like, some wizard in a tower reading through the fine print and being like, yeah, checks out. Pew, 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 it works. <laughs> 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 like, uh, like, it has to be, like, an act of love that can save, like, the frozen heart and Frozen. Right. Yeah. And, and it's then, like, and it you never think, said like, it was romantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're sitting there like, oh boy, okay, good, Kristoff's here. You can save the day. And it's like, no, like, my love for my sister saved me. Spoilers for Frozen, I guess. Who hasn't seen this movie? Right. If you haven't, then you have no intention of ever seeing it. <laughs> that's fair enough. You're, you know what you like and what you don't like, and you don't want to see that. That's fine. Okay, anyway. Chapter 8, and the very last chapter already. We're... Only like a half hour into the discussion. It's, like I said, it's a quick read, but it's a good read. <laughs> That's why it's on the website. Hey! hey. <laughs> Chapter 8. Mordred attacks the castle and Basil steals herself to fight him. Hudson returns and the two make up, then face Mordred together. The battle ensues and Hudson is thrown unconscious. Basil leaps into Mordred's mouth, stabs him through the brain, and emerges a <laughs> dragon slayer. Her family, now seeing her for who she is, embraces her. She was always extraordinary. She just needed to prove it to herself. After Hudson receives some well-deserved medical attention, he and Basil contemplate what adventure to have next. Hudson would prefer one with less danger. Meanwhile, Frederick visits Melvina and chastises her for sending Basil on a quest that put her in danger and freed Mordred. She remarks that it all worked out, and besides, she got the sword from Frederick, so he's complicit in all this. Of course, Basil stole it from Frederick. It wasn't given, so how could she have known things would have gone this way? Whatever, it's time for tea. <laughs> I, the epilogue scene of that, I think is really great. I love the, like, it's, it's kind of like the scenes of, like, detective stories when they're, like, all sitting around after and, like, explaining, you know, and this is how the crime happened. It's kind of like an equivalent of that, except they realize that neither of them actually knew that this was going to happen, and they're just like, eh, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mordred. Yeah? Yeah, like the, uh, she's like, when she's like, hey, Mordred, I'm not finished with you, and, like, he pauses in, like, mid, like, stuff to, like, look at her and just this kind of bitchy look right. that like i was just like oh this is like my own my cats <laughs> i've like read the comparison between dragons and cats like so many times and i think they like i've also saw something about like how to train your dragon they took some of the movements from uh-huh cat, uh-huh from, like, very <laughs> much so yeah <laughs> so just seeing this 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 like bitchy like kind of look from the dragon is just all like oh it's cheese it it's cheese it when i put the flea medicine on him and he was really mad at me <laughs> but you know like more destructive right <laughs> cheese it's pretty destructive but i mean he can't spray fire so he's got that going for him he did not join us today for this episode well, yeah where is he he's upstairs oh, okay. he's sitting on top of the freezer okay <laughs> you're like that's a solid option <laughs> Her jumping in very, uh, very Jack Sparrow versus the Kraken, like, leaping into the mouth. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it actually reminded me also of, uh, an Animorph, uh, story where they, uh, accidentally go back in time to, like, the time of dinosaurs. Okay. And one of the kids, I think it was actually two of the kids, t- two of the kids get eaten by a T-Rex that just swallowed. They weren't, like, chewed. Because okay. otherwise they would be dead. But they're, like, inside it, and one of the kids uh, is an alien creature called the uh, Andalite. That oh, has, is that the, the centaur-looking thing? Uh-huh, and has that, like, curved, like, sharp sword-like tail. Yeah, cut the T-Rex open from the inside to get out, and it died. <laughs> but it was them or it. Right. And, like, they didn't want it, yeah, so... And then they ate the T-Rex. How many of the Animorphs books, books did you read? 
Oh, the, the this dinosaur story one was one of the megamorphs, like the larger story, okay. which I think you'd enjoy more because I think you said it was trying to do too much in a short period of time, which is a common problem. But it, it's like a longer story, so you could actually do more in that space. And it was called The Time of Dinosaurs. But anyway, I read like two or three of those megamorph ones, and um, I think I read 35 of the main series. Okay. I read enough of them to know that I really liked them. And she's the one that wrote that other series that you said was just, like, absolutely nutso. Yeah. Right? Uh, Remnants. Remnants is bizarre. <laughs> like, I, I don't say, like, it's so bad, don't read it. But I'm saying, like, it's weird, you should read it. And she also re- wrote uh, Everworld, which I didn't care for. That's okay. And I we have, like, at the library, we have, like, a million copies of the one and only Ivan. So I've been kind of looking at that, like, maybe oh, yeah. you should read that. Because the library has so many of them. <laughs> She's married to Michael Grant, who wrote the Gone series, which I really liked. And then he did a trilogy called Berserk, which I wasn't as fond of. I didn't actually finish it. I have a couple of his books because he has some series where there's a character named Mara. And I think you talked me into, into getting it. <laughs> but, uh, back to this. Yeah. I like that we have, like, a boy and girl and those the main characters and it's platonic and not, like... Right. They're just going to be adventure buddies. Yeah. Which there should be good. more of that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I had a... I mean, there's this... a time and place for, like, the role. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, but just, yeah. I just want there to be more yeah. platonic relationships. Right. I had this idea for a story where, like, a there's, like, a prince trapped in a castle, and this female knight goes and, and rescues him, and then they come back, and then they, like, fall in love and get married, and then it cuts to three years later, and they're not married anymore, and they're like, <laughs> we thought we were gonna, like... No, we're just not fit for each other. And they just, like, realize <laughs> that they're just friends afterwards. I thought that really funny. Because, like, crisis situations, like, elevate emotions, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. always like, oh my gosh, I'll love you forever. And it's like, yeah, but what happens when the crisis wears off? And I realized that, like, you breathe through your nose a lot and it makes a whistling sound. I hate it. Right. <laughs> and I've told you I don't like it. And you said, that's my problem. And it's like, no, why don't you just blow your nose for a bit? So that way your nose doesn't whistle. Yeah, that's sort of... Are you guys getting a hint of what my marriage was like? <laughs> <laughs> Were you rescued from a tower? Was that your crisis situation? Uh, you married me when I was severely depressed, so... I mean, okay, so there's... like internal crisis situation. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I enjoyed this. this yeah. This was a good... This was a good. Mm-hmm. We needed a good. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we had the Penderwicks pretty recently. That was a good. But that's sandwiched between some rough times. Well, and then our release schedule is so weird that it's not even like, it's not even necessarily clear what we're referring to because yeah. we've recorded out of order Sorry, a bunch um, between like bonus episodes and changing our schedules and Yeah, stuff, you guys but... don't even know who I'm vagging about right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very fun. I, even more excited for Life Formed coming out in like two months now, so. Cool. But yeah, so that was uh, Extraordinary, A Story of an Ordinary Princess by Cassie Anderson, and uh if you are listening to this, it means that it is out in print right now, and uh, I'll go ahead and do our regular outro, but then we're just going to cut into uh, an interview with Cassie, and we haven't recorded that yet, so I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but right. I, I, I assume that it is a perfectly pleasant conversation, because the last time I talked to her, it was a perfectly pleasant conversation. <laughs> uh, so, Hello Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh and produced by Josh. Music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at hfkpodcast at gmail.com. Twitter and Instagram at hfkpodcast. We're on Goodreads. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Radio Public, anywhere you get podcasts pretty much. 
And that's it. Stay tuned for our interview with Cassie Anderson. Thanks. So we're here talking to Cassie Anderson, the uh, the everything behind Extraordinary. So how's it going for you? What's uh, what's the weather like over there? Because the weather here is really muggy and I hate it. I know. You know, it's kind of been muggy here, too. It's not super sunny, but kind of. And sometimes it keeps sprinkling. It's normal Northwest weather, I yeah. think, really. Yeah. So this project began as, because uh, it's in the very back of the print version, right? The the four-page kind of college project that you did, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was inspired by a novel by MMK. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how, like, kind of why you chose that story and how it evolved from kind of a rough adaptation to more of inspired by and then taking your own direction with it? Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so back in college, I had this assignment where we had to create a four-page comic based on a fairy tale. Um, and I kept thinking through all the fairy tales that we all know, like Little Mermaid or Sleeping Beauty. And I was like, I just feel really tired of these kind of narratives. Don't really feel excited. Like nothing felt inspiring or exciting. So I did a Google search and was going through, I think, like a Wikipedia list of uh, fairy tales. And I saw this one called The Ordinary Princess. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I clicked on it and kind of read like the basic synopsis of it. Um, and I really liked it. I liked the concept a lot. So I based my four page comic on that. But the idea kind of never left me even after I finished that comic. And uh, in future classes, I started developing it more um, on my own and creating my own version of it. Like, I think the main character in MMK's book, her name is Sarah. Um, but I changed their name uh, to Basil because all of her sisters are named after flowers. And she's named after an herb because herbs are ordinary, maybe. <laughs> uh, and I actually didn't even read mmk's book until I, I told myself i wouldn't read it until i finished my story i was worried that it was going to influence it too much and i'd try stealing too many of her ideas and i think that that was a good call for me because as i read it i was like oh wow that was a great oh man i can't believe that was such a good idea i, <laughs> I was like no this is why i waited <laughs> yeah but it was really fun to read it after my story was done and to kind of contrast where our main characters ended up and how they grew over the story Cool. Yeah, I think that was also uh, a very good idea to not read the whole thing. So, quick question. Do you think that the king and queen named their daughters before or after they received their blessing? Because if they named them before they received the blessing, they know what they're getting so themselves into by not naming her <laughs> after a flower. That is so true. Um, <laughs> man, maybe they named them afterwards. I mean, like, in, you know, some traditions, they don't name their child for weeks or even a year after they're born. They get to know them and their personality. So maybe it's one of those scenarios. Mm -hmm. They, like, had to wait for the fairy blessing, wait and see, like, how are things going to pan out? <laughs> so you, you, so the, the assignment was specifically a fairy tale initially. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and right now, uh, at least in the sphere that we kind of work with for the podcast, we're seeing a lot of fairy tale retellings and a lot of, especially kind of like the adding some like edge and grit to it is kind yeah. of like the thing right now. And this is very much not that, which is very <laughs> nice. It feels a lot more like kind of like, we called it like fairy tale adjacent where yeah. it kind of takes place in like the that. fairy tale universe yeah. without you know, being a retread of stories we already know. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like kind of trying to add to the fairy tale canon 
with what a more modern fairy tale that still takes place in that same sort of established world would kind of feel like. Yeah. Um, was your decision to choose this kind of off-the-beaten-path story uh, just because those stories had been told so frequently, or was it more because there was something that you felt like wasn't present in fairy tales that you wanted to maybe try and add into that that you weren't seeing? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. Like, I I think this, this type of story speaks a little bit more to who I am. Like, I love the gritty side of things or slightly dark turn and um, version on uh, stories that we know. I, I like that. Um, but something about a little bit more of a lighthearted take on a fairy tale kind of spoke to me a little bit more, especially at the time when I was uh, creating it. Uh, if I could think of a, a book that it lines up with that I wanted to channel a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys ever read, uh, I think it's called The Enchanted Forest Chronicles. Like the first book is Dealing with Dragons by Patricia Reed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I read those in like third grade, so it's been forever. But yeah, oh, I definitely did. I love those. I love the like quirky take on the the genre. It's like, you know, this princess, she's really sassy and um, she kind of just wants to do her own thing and goes to live with the dragons. <laughs> um, discovers that the way to kill witches is with soapy water with a twist of lemon. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, that kind of fresh and jovial take on fairy tales I thought was really refreshing and fun and kind of wanted to create my own version of that that's awesome and you'll hear when we uh upload the discussion but it again your ability to really capture the full range of facial feature or like facial uh, expressions and body language and emotion through that is very much on display here and that's I think in my opinion that's probably your biggest strength is that I believe all of the emotions that your characters are going through without them having to say a word. Oh, thank um, you. And so when you want it to be quirky and jovial, like you were saying, it very much, like, it is exactly what it wants to be. <laughs> and then when you need to have it be darker and more upsetting, you know, like towards the end when she lashes out at Hudson and she realizes yeah. her mistake too late, that it sells it there as well. So that's very much a kind of the biggest thing that I take away from your art is that ability to make any emotion very believable and very human. Thank you. So. Yeah, I think I had a phase when I was a kid where I was like, I want to be an actor. Uh, and then I realized that that was not something that I want to do because I don't like being in front of people. I don't really like <laughs> attention. So this is my way of acting without <laughs> having people staring at me. It's <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and I think there were even a couple of panels I forgot to write down like the pages and stuff where like the tiniest things of like even the hands are like the the curl of the fingers or like the twist of the wrist or something is just enough to say something more than just and then their hand is out because they're talking um <laughs> yeah, the, the details in that is it's really great wasn't there like a point where like basil's holding your hand like she's like what yeah yeah <laughs> i like that thanks <laughs> Especially because, in my opinion, hands are one of the hardest things to draw. So to be able to draw it and have it on the page, but then also have it saying something is, like, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult for me to, like, comprehend. (laughs) (laughs) That means a lot, because, yeah, hands hands are hard. You are correct. (laughs) What was the original time frame for this being a webcomic? Like, when did it first, when did you first upload and when did it finish its uh, story on the web? And then kind of, like, when did that start to transition into into dark horse uh being interested in a print version yeah um i started uploading it 
um, probably in like the fall or winter of um, 2013. And I was, uh, I bought a domain and learned so many things about having a website. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was really grateful for the people who came alongside and helped me with that. But yeah, so let's see, I kept it online until uh, I think last summer I took it down. Um, my It got hacked a couple times and it was just getting really difficult to maintain like with the firewalls and everything. So I was like, you know, it's going to be published soon. So I'm just going to take it down off from offline or online. But yeah, when Matt and I finished up Lifeformed, my editor mentioned that Dark Horse might be interested in seeing a pitch for what my webcomic was called An Ordinary Princess. Um, I renamed it to Extraordinary when I did the pitch. Yeah, so they put together an official pitch that had uh, the character designs and the plot and some sample pages, uh, even though the story was completely done, and then sent that to my editor, and she pitched it for me, and they wanted to publish it. So here we are. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's a little strange that you, like go through the whole process of the pitch, even though it's like it's all done. It's been on, it's been <laughs> online before. Like, there's nothing to really it it exists. All you have to do is put right. it on paper. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think I think a lot of that was for me too, and then just like like imagining that people who were making the decision of whether it would be published or not hadn't seen it. I wanted them to have like a fair view of it. For sure. Did it go to print, like, exactly as it was online? Or when you were uh, setting it up for print, did you feel like there was anything that you wanted to tweak in terms of, like, maybe dialogue or uh, color or anything like that besides just adding the, like, sketches and stuff towards the back? Yeah, actually, so I originally hand-lettered the whole thing. um, And just because, I mean, I worked on the art over the course of probably about five years, so the lettering was kind of inconsistent and didn't look super great in places. Uh, so I went through and re-lettered the whole book. Uh, and let's see, the ending there, the last, it was just like the, the denouement was like one page. And I went back and was reading it. I'm like, this this doesn't feel like a very satisfying ending. So I added a couple pages and changed a little bit of the dialogue and it feels a little stronger to me now. Which uh, part are you referring to the part with Frederick and Melvina at the end? Oh, uh, I consider that like the epilogue. So okay. the yeah, with, yeah. Uh, Basil and Hudson. Yeah. We really liked the, I think, I think uh, Mara was talking about how refreshing it was to have a, like a male character and a female character at the end, just be oh, like, yeah, just being platonic. Like it wasn't setting up to like a marriage. Like, yeah. Fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. They're just gonna go on adventures together, and they probably won't be as horrific as this one was. But they like <laughs> they have each other's backs. Right. Yeah, and that was something that was important to me. Like I, I kind of liked hinting it that maybe they could be more, but really I just want want them to be pals because I don't. I feel like that's something that's left out of a lot of stories that we see. Um, yeah, especially in fairy tales. Yeah. It's like if, if a guy and a girl team up, like, well, they're going to have to get married or there's going to be some love and romance in there. Right. That's great. I dig that, too. But <laughs> it's nice to have just a friendship, too, and see that side of it. Yeah, for sure. And the uh, the epilogue, which I think is it's very much what it is. I love the fact <laughs> that it – I refer to it as a little bit like um at the end of, like, detective stories when Sherlock Holmes and Watson are sitting together and uh, – the uh sherlock is kind of explaining the crime and <laughs> yes. what the the it, it's kind of like that except, I love that. <laughs> except they come to the realization that they both aren't totally sure that it was ever going to end up that way and they're just yes. like screw it let's have tea <laughs> yeah i 
like their characters, uh, Frederick and Melvina, um, and I definitely wanted to bring them together at some point in the book. Um, so that was fun. Well, I think, Mara, was Melvina your favorite? Um, Besides Flash and Bang? Yeah, I had, like, the cigar she's chomping on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The big old go-away signs. I was just like, this is who I'd be in the fairy tale. <laughs> and, um... Frederick, the the fact that you get the proper introduction of Frederick with the paint roller, yeah. <laughs> like I had to I had to stop reading because I was like, this is this is the best thing that has ever happened to me. <laughs> I have peaked at dragon with paint roller. <laughs> he's, a, he's into historic preservation. I I love that so much. That's such a great character. <laughs> yeah. Again, I I was started working on this in college, and I had friends who were historic preservation majors. I'm like. Wouldn't that be funny if there was a dragon who was, like, rebuilding castles or, like, making them look nicer, you know, and then moving on to the next one? <laughs> he's, he's flipping castles instead of houses. Yeah. <laughs> Tonally, it does, it's, it's, it's the sort of thing that, like, if not handled well, it could seem like it's kind of undermining any sort of, like, seriousness that the story has, but it, the story still has weight, and the characters still have weight, but that doesn't mean that they can also have silly aspects to them, and that's something that a lot of times I'll read something and I'm like, okay, but you went too quirky, and now I don't believe the rest of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you you didn't do that, which is good. It knows what it needs to do at kind of any one time, um, and so it doesn't it doesn't trip itself up by trying to be something that it's not. So that was... <laughs> So I didn't really ask about this when we were talking about life formed, um, and I don't know if it's changed between when you were working on this a few years ago versus uh, life formed. But what's your process as far as like where do you? I know you do like all the thumbnails and stuff by hand, but like where where do you switch over to like digital? And like what's your preference for like? I don't want to get too exact with like oh I use this nib of pen or whatever, but I mean if you want to, that's cool. Um, <laughs> just kind of, just kind of how it goes from. And then this is the point where it needs to make the leap over to digital. And then this is where this comes in and just. Yeah. Um, pretty much. It's kind of pretty similar between um, how I did life form versus uh, this comic. I, I do all my thumbnails and pencils traditionally. And then I switch over and do the inks and colors in the computer. Uh, all the, the inks and like lines in um, extraordinary are colored. And I wanted that like kind of crisp, clean, almost animated look. Uh, and I didn't, I mean, you see the watercolors, like you can't really get that feel from it with traditional media as easily. Even though one day, one day I'd like to do a comic completely traditionally, but someday. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a web comic I was following a while ago that did it all with pencils and watercolors. Oh man. And I was like that, it, the end result is really cool, but I, that's like, I can't even because I I make so many tweaks and mistakes that it's like you have to just accept what your art ends up being. Like as you put it down, you're just like that. I, all right, that's what it is. Yeah. No going back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Dylan McCona. She's one of my studio mates. She just um, came out with a book called Queen of the Sea, and it's 100% watercolors, and it's like 300 pages. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, she's. A beast. It's a, <laughs> it's a stack of finished watercolors, and you're just like, you are amazing, <laughs> and so brave. On the book, are <laughs> going. She's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watercolors are fun, but they are not super forgiving. 
didn't the original version have uh weren't you using different colors for the like the when you were like hand lettering like different colors for the different characters was that a thing that you were yeah. trying to get at? Okay. yeah it, it's i do the same thing in the book um but it's a lot more obvious in the um yeah. watercolor version because i think i use like sharpies or something it was yeah it's the only pen i could ha like had that was colored and would be bold enough because i think i tried colored pencil and that just wasn't dark enough uh and then i i did the the sharpie and i was like whoa that's really bright but well here we go <laughs> i mean isn't that the point of this is to experiment a little bit yeah <laughs> so we talked about colors with life forms and with this i i loved uh that it always looked like it always looked like Basil had kind of like a gray filter over her yeah. and then every like um because the, the scene with the dress when she first gets it, it's like a really bright color and then she, she puts it on it just like loses all luster and like, stuff <laughs> <laughs> the question that I'm asking is very open-ended if there's anything that like the coloring process for this that you want to kind of point out as being like I don't know say something about colors I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love working with colors, um, and sometimes I think I get a little too carried away, or they're like, a little too too much, I need to write it in. But um, yeah, this was a super fun comic to experiment a little bit with colors and find out what worked and what didn't work. Um, and yeah, getting to play with how the characters are presented on the page was also something really fun. And yeah, in the, that, those first four pages, you can see that I, I kind of tried to achieve that too, or I toned her down a lot, um, where everybody else is really bright and colorful still. Because yeah, like if I was in a, a fairy tale uh, story, you know, I probably wouldn't have the like bright hot pink dress. Like I would be a more muted color. Yeah, I just think that color tells a lot of the story on its own and getting to use that kind of as its own character in the story was really fun. Color is just something that's, like, hard for me to, like, I'm really bad at adding color whenever I draw things. So then, like, when I see other people use color really well, I'm like, man, I wish that my, <laughs> I wish that my brain could think about color in a way that it ends up mattering that much. Because I'm just <laughs> like, well, there's some grass, so it's going to be green. Yeah. What green? Eh, it doesn't matter. There's a green in there. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do this thing sometimes if I'm driving around and it's, you know, the sun is setting, so the light's changing. I'll look at something. I'm like, I know in my mind that's green. But because of the lighting, it looks different. So when I try and place it on the color wheel, it's really hard. Or you take a picture from online, you're like, this, this is like really beautiful, I don't just say sunset colors or something. And you, you color drop uh, what you know are leaves. And you're like, why does that come up purple? But in the picture, like, it looks green. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, colors are, are magical, maybe. <laughs> I don't know how it works. But it's fun to try and figure it out. Awesome. Have you read or watched Hilda? Oh man, I've read the books. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, I I uh, I have not read it, but my girlfriend and I watched it, and then she got at least the first volume. But I was reminded a lot in very good ways um, of Hilda when I was reading this. Um, oh. The gnomes reminded me a bit of the <laughs> the tiny little elves, and just the uh, I don't know. I I love that. So the show is very good at not trying to do a kid's cartoon pacing it's okay with taking itself slow and leaving moments of silence and kind of openness and stuff like that and so when i was reading this i was just reminded of that and it's a very it's a very pleasant refreshing sort of pace that it's uh comfortable taking as opposed to trying to like fill um 
you know, like, 10, 12 panels a page where it's just, like, crazy stuff going on all the time. It's like, it's okay. You can take your time. You can you can leave it open. You you don't have to say anything. You you know that you, Cassie, not you, the, the broad you, are aware that you can have pages where there are absolutely no words and you can still tell the story and you can leave that open and stuff like that. And that's really important um, for us as readers is to have that willingness to just kind of, like, let it do its thing. Mm. And not worry about kind of like forcing the forcing the pace or uh, anything like that. So that was something I definitely had to learn um, when I was I don't know my first comics in college that I was making were very crammed. Uh, yeah. Somebody once called it uh, or described my style of storytelling as very European, which sounds nice, but um, I think what they meant was you know, European comics, they're usually bigger than American ones, like physically. Yeah, like the Tin Tin ones, yeah. Yeah, um, and they, they can fit a lot more panels on there because the books are bigger. Um, mm-hmm. But I was working with American sizes and trying to fit just as many panels in, and things weren't working most of the time. So being able to reel myself in a little bit and tell a story in, yeah, like five or six panels on a page, that took a lot of practice. Um, it was uncomfortable at first. It seems like now you've gotten a lot more comfortable with that because yeah. it, it it definitely seems to be a thing, especially with the new stuff with Life Formed, that you're more comfortable with letting it have its open spaces and things like that. So that's... Yeah. Thank you. Trying. Everything um... is always learning. Everything <laughs> something new. <laughs> I'm sure you learned a lot working on this. Is there, like, do you, would, would you say that you had, like, a, a bullet list of, like, from doing this webcomic for a few years, here are the things that I learned specifically, or is it just kind of like, it was a lot, and now it's just kind of all been like melded into who I am as an artist now? Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. probably more the latter. Like, I can see some things that have kind of been formed into like an arrow that I've put into my artist quiver, um, but a lot of it's just, yeah, kind of become a part of who I am and how I tell stories or create comics. And- so, like, I've definitely learned learned a lot about, like, how to get a page print ready the first probably couple chapters. So I, when it was a webcomic, I printed each chapter as an individual um, comic and then brought to conventions. Okay. Uh, and I didn't really know or understand how bleed worked. So a lot of my um, uh, text would get chopped off if it was in a panel that um, went off the page. And I was like, wow, that's that's kind of a bummer. I guess I need to fix that. So now I'm a lot better about doing stuff like that. (laughs) All right. So flash and bang. Yes. Uh, we were trying to decide, uh, what sort of like pairing they would have in terms of voices. So I brought to the table either the, uh, the unicorns from Charlie the Unicorn. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, Or if you want them to be a little bit more uh, sinister, the uh, if you've ever seen Aqua Teen Hunger Force, there are a pair of characters called the Moon Knights. They're very bent on taking over the planet, but they are also, they basically look like characters from Space Invader. Um, and they uh, have no concept of the fact that they are uh, incredibly um, uh, technologically like undeveloped, and so they think that they are very intimidating, and they're not at all. Um, <laughs> oh, man, that which... fits so well. <laughs> uh, and then what you suggested, Cosmo and Wanda yeah, from Cosmo Fairly Odd Parents. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what uh, what what sort of what sort of dynamic do you kind of imagine them having? Yeah, oh, I like the Charlie the unicorn unicorns. Like that's a good one. 
definitely like, but a little bit more on the sinister side, but still like kind of cute. Where yeah. like you kind of want to be like, oh, but like, or maybe I shouldn't talk to you. Um, <laughs> maybe there's something that you're plotting. <laughs> So yeah, maybe like bad guys from a Cartoon Network show in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I love imagining their like their list of like plans because obviously <laughs> plan number one is just Badger. Yeah. Yes. Which I think is a really delightful place to start your list of evil schemes is just at the word Badger and kind of going from there. <laughs> the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man writing a comic with side stories of just flash and bang would be so fun just like little short stories or something and pile yeah like like just like like only like a couple of pages so that you don't you don't get overwhelmed by it and then you're like all right you can stop now but just like enough to just get another like little taste of what they're like yeah i like that (laughs) that'd be so funny but yeah they were those were fun characters right i think the idea for them came while I was on a run, I was like, I feel like there needs to be a little bit more present conflict. So I created these very not super threatening Fox characters. <laughs> one of the things that I noticed, I don't remember if I mentioned it in our discussion, but one of the things that I noticed about this is the, uh, the very smart decision that I don't think a lot of people recognize is important is that by the end of chapter three, you have set up every character basically that's going to exist in the whole rest of the story. (laughs) Um, So the whole rest of it is just how that plays out. And that's really important because sometimes people think that if you want to have something big happen towards the end, you save like a, a, a twist, like you just add in a new character instead of revealing something more about an old character. Yeah. Um, so like with this, Mordred isn't a new character because he has been mentioned by uh, Flash and Bang, so you don't you don't have the and then there is a surprise second dragon in the same way that like <laughs> you know there was no mention of any sort of adversary and then it's like boom dragon you you had this all you planned out the whole thing like before you started right I did yeah okay because from what I understand with a lot of uh, web comics, because of their nature of releasing a page every couple of days, that's often not the case. Like you have an idea, kind of a vague idea of where it's going to end up, but it's a lot of kind of tweaking it as you go because you're getting kind of instant feedback with uh, the comment section and things like that. Yeah. So it definitely seems like a slightly different approach to it by having it mapped out a lot more concretely. Yeah. Did you did did you feel the need to tweak anything at any point there? Um, yeah. Since it was, or did you stick with your guns the whole way through? Kind of a little bit of both. I knew like the bones of the story um, really well. I had um, a fairly detailed outline figured out from the very beginning, so I knew like where the ending was going to be and like how I wanted to get the characters there. But I didn't have like specific dialogue or even specific scenes a lot of times. I had it broken up into chapters um, and then I would uh, tackle each chapter at a time. So um, when I got to like chapter three, I'd take uh, the piece of the outline that was going to happen in the story. um, And I kind of like thumbnail and script at the same time, which is very different to how I think most comics are made, but it worked for me in the story because it allowed me to not get bored and kind of give me a little bit more freedom to, as I got to know the characters better, 
to kind of tell their story in the best way. And I, I feel like I grew as a storyteller too. So there were things that um, I was maybe planning on happening. That I'm like, you know, actually, I feel like that's not as important as having this other thing happen. Yeah. So it was kind of fun having, yeah, like the bones of the structure, uh, the bones of the story there, and then being able to add the meat to it as I went. Obviously, you have this project, which is pretty much all you, and then you have Life Formed, which is with uh, Matt. And um, what do you like about working with a collaborator versus what do you like about having the whole thing be on you, for better or worse? Yeah, I think I like and dislike the same thing. <laughs> I When I'm working with somebody, I like... Uh, like being able to bounce ideas off somebody and have somebody else get kind of take responsibility for things. Um, so like, Oh, if this part of the story or the art's not working, like it doesn't feel like it's just on me, but um, so it's nice when I'm working with somebody for that. But then on the other side, when I'm on my own, yeah, I kind of like having that freedom too, to be able to call the shots and stuff. And I think it's hard to bring somebody in when I'm doing it on my own, which isn't great. Um, because it's really good to get feedback as you go and because uh, you you get so into the story that you don't really realize like where there could be flaws or um, holes um, yeah or just weak spots so yeah I don't know just being able to collaborate and like get a second opinion with somebody is awesome but also like having the freedom to be on your own is also awesome <laughs> right <laughs> right it's it's you you have you have it's the whole Spider-Man thing. You have the increased power of it's all you, yeah. but then you also have the responsibility of it's all yes. you. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, just last uh, week, uh, I was, so a friend asked me to make a wedding cake um, for her wedding and another friend came over and um, we were working on it together and we, we put it, the finished cake into the fridge and we're like, man, we're both so proud of this thing. And we realized that we wouldn't have been if we had made it on our own. Because there's something about, like, that, yeah, that responsibility of, like, oh, man, I made this on my own. Like, if there's a mistake, like, that's all on me. Um, whereas when you make it with somebody else, you're, like, there's a mistake. Like, well, we did our best together, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like what you said about um, how it's kind of difficult to bring somebody in for uh, to feedback and stuff because you're so, like, into it. Yeah. Um this is going to seem like a weird parallel, but I was talking with a, a coworker the other day about how frequently I will try and play a board game and try and read the instructions and not understand because I realized that the instructions were written by the people who created the game. And so they don't have the perspective of somebody who has not been working with the same idea for years. Well, that's so true. And so, yeah, you get kind of blinded to it because you're so into it and you know, like, you know, you know all of the underlying things about your character that aren't on the page and, and all of these things and somebody coming in that has no idea about any of it is like, um, excuse me, uh, this makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> yes. I know, I would so much rather have somebody who knows how to play the game tell me how to play the game because then I can ask them questions. I'm like, um, hold up, that didn't make sense. Uh, how can your character move that way in, in that card? Like, <laughs> way better. <laughs> So besides the obvious, the book that inspired this and just kind of fairy tales in general, I guess, I guess you could go more specific, but, um, anything that you pulled from like, uh, um, 
any other inspirations that you want to talk about for artists, writers, concepts, um, weird things that happen to you that you're like, that would totally happen to Basil. Um, <laughs> anything like that. Yeah, let's see. I'm not totally sure. I mean, part of me feels like pretty far removed from the original inspirations. It's been a few years. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it's funny thinking about Basil's character in particular. And when I first start writing it and creating it, being like, oh, man, you know, I feel like this character is not me. Um, like, we're very different. But then I remember working on a page one day and it hit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am Basil. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't see it before. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of funny, realizing I don't know. I mean, obviously we take inspiration from ourselves and we put ourselves into the things that we make, but not always realizing when you're inspired by something too. Right, right. You're kind of subconsciously addressing things yes. and then yeah. you, you realize that that's been part of you all along yeah. and you just yeah. hadn't really... I know, and like we're constantly, especially today, you know, we just have media and uh, social media around us so much um, that we're constantly absorbing things that I don't think we always realize what we absorb. So then we don't really realize how it's connected to what we output. Yeah. So I'm sure there's plenty of stuff in the comics and stories that I make in general that it's like, oh, you could point that and be like, oh, that's that. And you're like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, you're right. I think it is. <laughs> oh, that was not intentional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first thing that I think of is when somebody points out that you've been saying like a certain word or something a lot recently. Oh, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. I've been saying that a ton. It's because it was like in this show or whatever. Yes. <laughs> and you don't realize that now it's it's suddenly become your own your catchphrase. Yeah. It's like, oh God. Oh no, that's what I'm reduced to. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you watch uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No. I've seen some of okay. it. Okay, it's a pretty fun show, but the character at one point says, I, I say 100% a lot, like, oh man, like, are you, how are you, I don't know, how's the project going, 100%, or, uh, whatever. Uh, and one of the characters in the show said, 100p, and I immediately adopted it, and I started saying it, and people are like, what are you saying? <laughs> what does that mean? You know, 100p. <laughs> Obviously. Are we getting ice cream today? 100 OP. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> did you consider yourself a webcomic artist or did you consider yourself like a cartoonist that is currently working on a webcomic? Um, do you feel that you like kind of added yourself to that community? Did you meet other webcomics uh, creators that you, you know, like learn things from or anybody that you would want to suggest that people check out or what's kind of your relationship with that scene as opposed to the print space that we first introduced were introduced to you in? Yeah. Um, I think web comics were probably a big part of how I got into comics to begin with. Um, I was reading a lot at the time, uh, like Gunner Creek Court. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lucky Penny. I can't even think of them. I can picture some of them. Yeah. So it was kind of exciting at the beginning to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this now. I'm a part of this scene. And I, I just don't know if I still saw myself as a webcomic artist, though. I think I was still like, I'm a comic artist. Yeah. Who has a webcomic? Um, yeah. Uh, and I met a few webcomic artists like at Rose City Comic Con. But I'm always like, oh, man, if, especially if there's somebody I look up to, I'm like I well, maybe say hi to you uh, and I'll gush about your work, but then I will retreat because I'm like, you're too, you're too cool for me. Like I 
<laughs> real conversation with you. Like, <laughs> even though they're all fantastic and super nice and down to earth. I was at Emerald City Comic Con. I ended up picking up a couple of like web comic collections, like uh, let's see, uh, check please. Oh yes, yeah. And uh, Sakana, Sakana, yeah. the one about the they they all work at like a like a fish market in Japan. Yeah. I love slice of life comics, and I I feel like the only place that you can really get that a lot of the time is through web comics. Yeah. But I I just I really enjoy like I enjoy the big high concept comics as well but i really like just being able to make it it's all about the characters it's all about the weird things that happen to them just like in a very like realistic day-to-day sort of sense like um dumbing of age is one of my favorites um oh, i don't know if i read that one because it's uh it it's a like people going off to college uh sort of story but he's been doing it for eight or nine years at this point and they're still only like six months into their first year of oh my god because of the pacing of it <laughs> yeah. um and it's like it's like most other comics I'd be like, all right, you can speed it up, but with that one, uh, because of the cast of characters and stuff, I'm like, I'm okay with yeah. taking it that slow. And I feel like there's one one of the kind of challenges of modern comics, uh, unless you're deliberately doing a graphic novel, is that your your script is twenty two pages, you know, right. for most like comic issues. And so there's a certain there, there's an external factor to the pacing that web comics just don't have to deal with at all. That is irrelevant to yeah. them, and I think that that's really nice. Yeah. That you don't have that constraint. I know, and there's some like really creative formats too for how people share web comics now. What is the name of that one that had like Fire on the Mountain? Is that what it's called? With like the animal kind of creatures or like wolves or dogs or something, and they're like the panels are little gifts, so there'll be like a fire and it's like flickering. Um, it's oh man and then um ava's demon that one kind of has places where it breaks off and does little videos or or gifts um and it's super interesting it's so cool that people are exploring web comics as this medium to be able to tell stories in a completely different way than you can with like a marvel or dc comic it doesn't always translate to print as well but i mean it's designed to be on webs which Right. You, you you make it the best that it can be for the format that it's in, yeah. and any other adaptation is kind of like, that's that's a whole other beast. You don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, I, I like, I'm a really big, like, uh, physical book reader, so I like getting the webcomic collections, but I totally understand that there are certain ones that it's like, well, it just, you won't get the full effect yeah. if you're not, you know, on the browser and, and like you said, with the gifts, mm-hmm. or I've seen ones that actually like switch over and they're like actually guys uh, i made this chapter over on youtube and it actually has like audio as well and then so you go watch that and that's like the chapter and then you go back and the next chapter is just regular comic again and it's like that was just how that they felt that chapter needed to be told yeah um and i love the fact that you can just mess around with that it's so creative i love it yeah people breaking the boundaries and figuring out new ways to tell stories so exciting I think that's about it for my list of questions. Were there any? Did you have any questions, Mara? <laughs> <No. laughs> we had a joke were... about this because yeah, I, uh... I was concerned. I was, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be very. I'm bad at questions. <laughs> so anytime someone like explains a whole bunch of stuff to me and then goes, "Do you have any questions?" My mind immediately goes blank. Me oh, too. Like <laughs> I, I, over the past couple of years, I've kind of tried to teach myself to get better at asking questions because I do the same thing. Like, yeah, no, I totally understand. And then you leave, and five minutes later, you're like, wait, I could have asked that. (laughs) (laughs) 
You just look at the task again. I remember nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So thank you for taking your time out of your day to chat with yeah, us. And, so much, um, you guys. This is great. Awesome. And we would love to have you on again with Matt when uh, the next volume of Lifeform comes out, if we can swing that. Yeah, that'd be great. And so thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> And then I'll just cut it out. <laughs> <laughs>